0: Welcome to City on a Hills Podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com It's taken it's taken me it's taken me 18 years to um, to step over the line and really trust God and do this. So I feel naked, I appreciate it. I feel totally naked up here. Because we're talking about... (laughs) Thanks, Mikey Jesus. Can I take off my mask? Naeem brought this out at Open Church. Can I just pull mine off and not really care if I say things the right way and I'm not a wordsmith? and that I just kind of deliver what I feel like God is telling me to deliver to you. Is that okay? And if you know me, it's hard because I like everything done in a certain way, in a certain fashion and then to walk in and really trust God, I know this is what He's had for me for a long time and it's, it's, uh, it's it, 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 my reputation right there are things the pride that's inside of me and things that that i want to be in control right i want to be in control of things like the remote control like you like the remote control at home and you want to control things you think about your remote control at home you ever think about those remote controls remember when you were kids people if you're over the age maybe a 40 right there was no such thing as a remote control your parents wanted you to change something on the tv get up click 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 right you like kind of change their right you change it and then you sit back down and your dad would say get up the volume's not high enough you get up again and you trudge over to the tv set right that remote control we want control sometimes and, and it, it feels good to just give up control and i'm just gonna pray holy spirit lord i i, I know you're here you're palpable I, i'm thankful that you were here even before we got here you were here on wednesday night but you were here on thursday and you were here on friday and you were here on saturday Oh Lord, I'm thankful for your word that the grass may wither, the flower may fade, our clothes may may be outdated one day, they're not in style anymore, but I'm thankful that your word stands forever. I'm thankful we can look at your word and there's power in your word. Spirit of the living God, I'm thankful that you can come in today and move on lives and you can change lives, you can change the order and the routine of what we do and how we do it and things that feel stagnant and monotonous. You're coming in and breathing new life into the church. And not only, may I say, church, it is not only City on a Hill Community Church, but I thank you, Spirit of the Living God, that you're breathing on your church in general. That there is awakening, there is a new awakening that is taking place here. Lord, I'm thankful that there is a reformation that is coming to the church. That there is a change of the way that we've been doing things and putting putting things in old wineskins. That you want a new thing. You want the new thing. new wineskins. Oh, Lord, may we see it. May we feel it even starting as we have an open church meetings. Lord, this is just a continuation of the body coming together. How good and pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. And Lord, we are a united front coming in. We are united. And I'm thankful for that, Lord, but I'm thankful for what you want to do. Amen. And I don't know. Listen, I don't know if I'm speaking for five minutes. I don't know if I'm speaking for 20 minutes. I don't know. But that you okay with that too? So church may a little end a little bit earlier than usual. Is that, Are you upset by that? I know you're accustomed to. You want longer sermons. I get emails and text messages all the time. Pastor, I wish you'd speak for over an hour. So I, I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm trying to get there. But here's, here's what I think God has for us. And we've been in this series on the book of Acts. Now, again, this is fun to have no notes and to kind of just roll with this. But I've been in the story of a guy that you don't, if you weren't here last week, I gave a sermon and and God really ministered to us, man, in a lot of ways and talking about our putting, taking the masks off and our true self and our false self. And I was going into a relationship, kind of like a marriage seminar this morning based on a story in Acts that we're doing that another day. But we talked about Ananias and Sapphira last week and we said, you don't hear sermons on this stuff. And what I'm going to talk about, I think what God is telling me to talk about, you don't really hear sermons on this guy Stephen in the book of Acts. You don't. I've looked. I look around and you read and there's not even a heck of a lot in the commentaries of this character who becomes the first martyr in the church. But before I even say that, and I think, and I I don't have things memorized in my... In a, in a PowerPoint, but I, I had these in all of them, and, and I'll use this one here today. This was a quote that I I saw from an historian in looking at what happened at the for the for the. Um, for the church in the first century, and this is what he said, never in so short a time as any other religious faith, or for that matter, any other set of ideas, religious, political, or economic, without the aid of physical force or of social or cultural prestige, achieved so commanding a position in such an important culture. Church, what we're seeing in the first, when we study the book of Acts, they changed the Greco-Roman world. And they didn't use, they didn't do it by force. It's like akin to what Dr. King did in the 1960s in the civil rights movement. We don't have to use force, right? And that's what happens here. This ragtag group of people, these people that are not the scholars, they weren't the educated ones, they were the seemingly ordinary ones. God says, I'm going to use you and you're going to be the formation, I'm going to use you to start a church. Hey, Peter, right, Simon, I'm going to change your name to Peter, and you're going to be the rock on which I'm going to build this church. You're the one that ran away from me. Do you remember that? Three times you denied me. I'm going to build my church on you, the one that has faults, the one that has foibles the one that has weaknesses i'm going to build my church on you and he says to us today i'm going to use you city on a hill community church and i'm going to continue to build my church and we're going to continue to build the church as we move forward amazing and then you come across a story in chapter six and really the book of acts kind of changes and turns on this guy's life and uh i don't know how much i'm i'm just gonna go i'm gonna give you some of the story in chapter six Let's kind of let's read this. I guess I have to follow it along on this. Oops. All right, starting at the top, it says, "Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying." If you know during the series, what have we said? How many followers are there right now in, in Jerusalem? Roughly, men, women, and children, twenty thousand. Right? That's what scholars say. It's twenty thousand. Crazy. So it's a little. It's organic but it's a little chaotic. And isn't that good? Because the spirit can move and we have our programs and we have the way that we want to do things. But in the early church, God said, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to do something different. Now in those days when the number of disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Distribution. That was my original sermon, right there. First five verses, but I was honing in on this, and can I just tell us what this means? When it says they are the Hebrews and then the Hellenists, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. The Hellenists are the Greek Jews that were not born in, in, in Israel. They're born outside. They're, they're, they're of Jewish descent, but they were looked at as being second-class citizens. They speak Greek. And then, when it says here, a complaint against the Hebrews, the Hebrews are those that were born in Israel. They kind of looked down, right, on these these people that they thought, yeah, you're Jewish, but you're really technically a foreigner. And they spoke Aramaic. So they looked at the Hellenists that weren't from Israel and they said, you speak Greek. There was a cultural clash that was taking place here, right? And they had a complaint. And their complaint was their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Did you hear that? Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. I emphasize that first part, full of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, the shy member of the Trinity, the forgotten member of the Trinity. He is God and he lives inside of us. The power that we have that lives inside of us. Of course, you want these followers to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Who do you think was the one that said this? Who do you think was the one that said this? Who said this? Like, you know. But we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Who would have been the one that would have been outspoken enough to probably just come out and say, this is what, this is what we're doing here? Peter, right? So I kind of see Peter. See, Peter, who's probably made a run to, he's done. I'm like, dude, I went to Chick fil A. I'm done bringing food back. I went to the falafel house. I'm kind of done, right? Let's just figure this out here. Let's get some other people that are going to go take care of this because we're done doing it. There are other pressing matters for us. And then the text goes on. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon from the Lion King and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, all names, by the way, for babies, if they're all available whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid hands on them then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith and I love the fact that I underline this here because Stephen is the only one that we hear anything about any real description it says Stephen a man full of faith the Holy Spirit again there it is And here is this guy, Stephen, who's kind of an up-and-comer with the apostles. You have the Jameses and the Johns, and you have the Peters and the Bartholomews, but then there's a new class of individuals that have become disciples. He's a Hellenist. He's really technically an outsider. He speaks Greek. He's like Philip. And here is this guy, and he rises up, and he gets in the mix here, and he's going to be used by God in such a mighty, mighty way. And then the text goes on here, finally. Oh, wait, I read that. I read that last part to you. And you see this guy. What happens here from chapter 6, we see there's a problem that's going to arise in the church. And the problem is going to be that Stephen is going to debate some, some leaders, right? He's going to debate some leaders and the problem is going to be he's going to debate these guys in a synagogue and they're going to start to go at it with him and the interesting thing is right here when it says they arose there then there arose um there arose in the cynical the synagogue of the freedmen cyrenians alexandrians and those from cilicia and asia disputing with stephen he's debating them and i love what the text says and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke how powerful is that? That they were getting disputatious with him and they're going back and forth and they couldn't keep up with this guy because he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was under, he was under the leadership of the Spirit and he trusted the Spirit. And the Spirit was living and moving and having his being in Stephen and doing what, the, what God wanted to, do, to have happen. And then verse 11, then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. It's at this point right now, friends, he gets taken because they can't hang with him. You know, like little kids, like, I don't know, maybe like they're playing, they wanted the kid wants to take his ball home. Like he's kind of crying and he starts to whine because he's losing. He says, well, I'm done. I'm taking my ball home. You know what these guys do? They say we can't beat him in this battle, so we're gonna go to a higher. We're gonna go to the Sanhedrin, and we're gonna go to the Jewish ruling council, and we're gonna go and let them. They're gonna deal with this guy. Let's let them deal with it. And then here comes. And I don't have. I don't. I don't have any of this. In. in uh, I have none of this in my PowerPoint, and it's fifty-something verses. So I probably just have a couple of verses you got to see it's the longest sermon delivered in the book of Acts, right? It's the longest sermon. In chapter 7, Stephen gets up in front of the Jewish ruling council and he delivers a sermon for the ages. A man that had been studying for a couple of years, the text doesn't tell us, but scholars tell us it was probably about seven or eight years that Stephen grew up. Stephen grew up with people around him watching him. Oh, that's Stephen right there. That's Stephen who does all of the little things. He does not all the big things. The guy that was faithful with the little things. And then God says, when you're faithful with the little things, I'm going to put you in charge of mighty things and great things. That's a message for the church. That may we be a people that do the little things and may we be really good and maybe nobody sees us, but I see Stephen as somebody that sends that message to us today. Be faithful in the little things and then I can give you more responsibility in the kingdom I can give you more anointing in the kingdom I could do more with you when you're faithful in the small things and Steve can I just can I just like distill it and just give you right a quick synopsis of what he says so in all of chapter 7 I want you to read it on your own I know I, I did a lot of like almost expository teaching the last couple of weeks but you look at chapter 7 when he gives this sermon he starts with Abraham all the way in the beginning of the Bible. he goes all the way through the Old Testament he eviscerates the ruling council. He goes from Abraham, and then he moves on. He's going to Moses, and he's going to David. He's hitting everybody. He's telling them, you know, what his main message is in chapter seven. Here is a man that is bold, and he's courageous, and he's fearless. You know how many times, right? He's not. He's full of faith. He's not full of fear because he's trusting in God. These guys that he's standing before that know the Old Testament scriptures. They're so much technically smarter than than he is. But they're brilliant idiots they're brilliant idiots because they miss the one that came they miss the savior and stephen's whole message is this y'all he preaches a message and he's basically telling them you're looking for god you look for god in the tabernacle you look for him in the tent of meeting you look for him when solomon built the first temple but guess what god has left the building You keep looking for him in all your rituals. You keep looking for him in the way that you always do things. But can I tell you, that's what he stands up and that's the message that he delivers. God has already left, but you keep looking for him with all of your sacrifices and the high priest has to go in and have the proper vestments on and has to look the right way and has to act the right way. Stephen says, no. All of that has been completed once and for all that Jesus Christ went in. And now he went through the the, the outer court and the inner court and the holy of holies. You don't need one and once and for all. He made the sacrifice. Do we have any idea what that means for us? Church, you know what? Can I tell you? Can I really be honest with you? Now I want to talk to you from my heart the Holy Spirit was all over this all week Pastor Linda shared an article with some of us and it was about the state of the church and what really hit me was this this author I don't even know well but this man captured what is going on in the church in the Western Church how we have our programs and we come in and you hear a couple of songs, you hear four or five songs, and then we do. And I'm not saying, I'm not railing against tradition. Please don't hear me. I like traditions. But I think sometimes we can get we can fall so in love with our programs and the way that we do things that we can miss God. Come on, is it true? And how predictable. How many of you will be honest sometimes? You don't want to come to church because it's so predictable. You hear a couple of songs. You hear somebody get up and talk about an offering and maybe greet somebody. And then you hear a 40-minute sermon that you think is agonizing. And you're like, when is this guy going to finish? And then somebody comes up and they close with a song. And that's what it's like Sunday. And then repeat the cycle. Repeat the cycle. Just do it next week. Just do it next week. Well, I'm telling you, this Sunday isn't like that. And I'm not saying, listen... I'm not saying every week we go in with a plan. I came in here this morning with a plan that I felt like I heard God, but I was open and said, God, if you want to do something, and God was kind of, I felt like in my spirit, God was like, it's up to you. If you want to take the risk, you can deliver that other sermon and people are going to like it and they're going to think it's really good. You can take the easy way out so when you get home, you'll be ready to preach something else. But you know what? I'm asking you to take a leap of faith and step out of the boat and to trust me that I want to do things in your church church he wants he's moving in our midst when i come into a meeting on wednesday night and i see people get up and i see masks come off where's my mask i saw so many masks come off on wednesday night people got up and they were real they talked about what was going on inside of them. Do we realize when that happens, the enemy has to flee? The enemy runs when there's authenticity and transparency in the room. That's when God says, oh, there's a group of people down there in Middle Island. I can move there. Holy Spirit, we're going to move there. Because they don't have any airs about them. And they're willing to take off masks. And they're seeking me. And they're pressing in. And they want to be part of the new thing. Yeah we ask we ask I don't even know what this is gonna look like week and out but all I know is that God is calling the church to something different why do you think there are so many every time we turn around there's another pastor there's another I don't a lot of them are evangelical and they get I, it's not fair that we shoot the wounded we shoot the wounded and it's not right but I'm telling you, God is shaking. As Pastor Linda has said for years, God is shaking everything that can be shaken. And where the churches look like it has it together, it's as if God is saying, I'm in control of my church. And I'm going to show you and do a mighty thing in the last days as I pour out my spirit. He wants to do something new, church. He wants to do something new. Can we get to the end of Stephen's sermon? Can I show you the end of his sermon? I don't know if I, listen, I don't know if you're bored to death. Listen to this, but I'm just talking to you as one of your pastors, from my heart. First 51, this is the end of the chapter. I love this. This is when it all like it comes to a head. He has set them up. He's talking. He's, he's telling them, giving them the Old Testament. And look what they say, the teachers of the law. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, may that not be said of us, <laughs> may, we, may we not resist you. As your fathers did so to you, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it when they heard these things they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth gnashed at him can you imagine the anger And the vitriol that is inside of these individuals as they're listening to this man. And you know why they're upset? Because he's confident and he's bold and he's not afraid. Wow. Where was I? When they heard these things, right? And then 55. But he, look at this, here it is. He's being, he's full of the Holy Spirit. I think we see a theme with this life of Stephen. This guy who rises up the ranks, he's full of the Holy Spirit and he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, amen, and said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. How come people don't preach this? How come people don't preach this story? Here is a man that comes in and you know what he's basically saying? Can I boil this down to us, church, and what it means for us? He's basically saying, uh, he's looking up and he's saying the heavens are open. Did you hear us sing the song today about open heavens? Do you know that the heavens are open right now for us? That the heavens are open for you, for your bodies, for your minds, for the situation that you have going on that the person on your right and on your left, they don't know about. That situation with your kid, that situation in your marriage. Do you know the heavens are open right now? And Stephen is looking and he's gazing into heaven and that's why they are incensed. Because he's saying, listen, it's not only available for me but it's also available for you he's telling them to their face you think God but God has left the building but understand what he has done he lives inside of me and he can live inside of you and church he lives inside of us and he wants to live and move and have his being and the problem though with us is we don't approach his throne boldly Paul says it in Hebrews approach. We are to be approaching his throne of grace with boldness, boldly. Where is the bold church? Where are we in terms of the situations and circumstances of life that we have going on? We are to be approaching with boldness because heaven is open because of what Jesus did. It's open. Just like my 10-year-old, if I'm in the office over there and it's the middle of the meeting, he can come in any time he wants and open that door. He doesn't even really have to knock. You know why? Because he knows that he's my son and he knows he's my beloved and he knows that I care about him. And church, you have the same relationship with your father. You have the same relationship, church. Church. And he looks at us and he says, when are my people going to come in boldly? Where is the bold church? Where are we when we come in and say, you know, Lord, because of what you did, I'm your child, Lord, and I'm coming asking. Your word says, ask and it shall be given. Your word says, seek and we shall find and knock and it shall be open.' Ask, ask, ask we need to keep asking we need some of us need to start asking and here is this guy who comes in and he sees open heavens you know what else i saw in this text that's amazing where is it look where it says that i see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of god where is jesus always situated he is always seated at the right hand of the father And this blew my mind and just looking at it, every time I read this passage, It's as if Jesus is saying, I can't sit in my seat. Remember we talked about Barnabas two weeks ago? That I have to get up on my feet because this is the first martyr in the church. And he has confessed me before my father. Right. So since he has done that, I'm going to dad and saying, dad, look what he did down there in the earthly realm. I can't wait to bring him up and shower praise on him. And I want all the angels and all the angelicos and all the people. to praise him and thank him for what he did for the gospel of Jesus Christ you kidding me Jesus is standing I see him with tears I see him with a standing ovation that somebody would lay down their life for him and believe the gospel do you know we may not be stoned to death who knows my cousin sent me an amazing article this week about persecution in the church Persecution is coming here. It's all over. It's unprecedented, the persecution, but we're so comfortable and we're so blind and the enemy is so insidious that we don't even think it's real. And it's happening everywhere. It's happening all around us in church. It's coming to a house near you. It's coming to your house. It's not going to look the way you think it does. And there is Stephen and Stephen gets stoned. You know what I love about this too? I don't want to geek out. I think I have, oh yeah, I have this. This is the best picture I could find. Isn't that an amazing picture? Can you see that? I want you to look at this picture because what they did, they were so angry at Stephen, they didn't even give him a trial, which was his right as a citizen. He was supposed to get a trial. They were so angry by what he said because there was truth in what he said that's why they have to stop their ears they literally had to cover their ears because they couldn't hear the truth of who Jesus was and how they rejected him so they said let's take him outside the city let's forget a trial and let's sentence him to die and that's what they do and what they did in in the first century is they would push you off a cliff a 12 to 15 foot cliff and that's why this was the only picture I saw that probably is a good representation and they would put they pushed you into that pit if you survived the fall and many times people did accusers at first they would take the biggest rocks they could find and they would throw them and try to break your break your ribs try to crush your head and then everybody after that was able you were able to pick up rocks and toss them at the person can you imagine what it was like to see this man Stephen who is being stoned to death and he's on his knees And they're angry but he's on his knees entrusting in his God they're standing he's kneeling he's praying to God and he has total comfort and he has total peace because he knows whose he is he knows who he is and he knew where he was going because he had already said I have already died to Christ if I live as Christ Paul said but to die is gain so if I'm here and I stay that's great but if I die I get to be with Christ and that's all good too And here he is you know what i love about this where did they where did they put their coats at the feet of who at the feet of a young man named saul saul who become who apostle, apostle paul did you also see in the text where it talks about i think it's in there i don't even i, I think i included it when it talks about no, no, it's in chapter 8. I'm sorry, it's in chapter 8. You know what it says? That the other followers grieved over... In, in Greek, it means that they cried out. They're like shrieking. Picture an animal shrieking as the dead body is there, Stephen's body. And they're wondering, they didn't know if this... is. He's, again, he's the first martyr in the church... And there are his fellow brothers and they're there and they're around him and they pick up the body and they have to bury the body and it looks like the church has taken a big hit and there's gonna be major persecution that comes the church's way but can I tell you they put their coats at the at the feet of a young man named Saul who's probably 28 30 years old can I tell you who picks up the mantle of Stephen later on it is Paul it wasn't one of the other followers of Christ It was the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul didn't know it at that time that God said, i got a plan for you, and I'm going to knock you down off your high horse as you're going to Damascus, and you're not going to see it coming. And you may sit there, and you may be a terrorist, and you may go into Christian homes, but guess what? You're going to be the guy that writes a third of the New Testament. You're going to be a guy that sees me bring my kingdom into the earth. You're going to be a game changer. I'm going to shake the world when I I take you, pal. That's what I'm talking about. He carries the mantle. I love it. I love it. What do you think it was like? I'm just saying, you know what? What was it like when he got to heaven? What do you think it was like when Paul got to heaven? What do you think it was like? Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, Abraham, nice to see you. Yeah, 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 Ruth, great to see you. Moses, great to see you. Yeah, yeah, David, man, man, amazing, amazing, amazing. And then he keeps going and he keeps going. Where's Stephen? Where's Stephen? I want to see Stephen, the guy that I stoned. The guy that I was there, actually, I didn't stone him, but I was there, and I was telling them it was okay. Go ahead. Keep doing it. Can I see him? Because I want to talk to him. I've had to live with this this shame and the guilt of this for the rest of my life. Can I see Stephen God? I want to see him for a little bit. I want to tell him how much I love him, and I want to tell him what he did for me. And that picture in my mind, what I saw, he changed my life. I want to see him, Lord. Stephen everything that happens on Paul's account goes to Stephen and it goes to Barnabas because if it's not for people like them he never rises to the prominence that we know he's never the the, the person that we know Paul he's not the Apostle Paul that we know it's because of other people and that's what we are in the church you know what we have to be getting down and you have to climb over our backs that this is a team effort this isn't a, this isn't about one superstar and the new move of God that is coming in I'm sorry what you see on TV screens when you see it's one person and it's the church built around that one person and it's all about them is that person speaking is that person doing this the new move of God is going to be the church the way it was intended to be like we saw in the first century It's gonna be men and women. It's gonna be black and white. It's gonna be young and old. It's gonna be people that know the Bible so well. It's gonna be people that don't know the Bible at all. There is a move of God that is coming. There is a move of God that is coming. We're seeing the beginning of it. It's not gonna be business as usual. It's not gonna be what we've seen before. And let me tell you, taking a risk today, you know what, this isn't really a risk it would have been it would have been a risk for me to not do this today and not rip up my message and tell you the truth of what god wants to do i couldn't even move two hours ago i couldn't even move i couldn't even stand on my feet and i'm not saying i'm perfectly healed right now but i know that his life lives inside of me and his life is moving in my body and his life is moving in my mind his body his life is moving by his spirit church are we ready to see some miracles take place are we ready to see things happen in the church that we haven't seen in a long time are we ready to do away with boring church services where everything is orchestrated and everything is planned out can we let the spirit move it's going to take work though can I commend you it's been a good start it's been a real good start but it's not start it's how you finish like that guy at the 1968 Mexico City Olympics can I tell you that story I probably told it years ago but it just hit me in my spirit can I tell you the story Mike is it all right if I tell them it's the marathon it was the last event Mexico City right and it's the last event and people are there and they're cheering on the first three people right to come in the race the gold medal winner and the silver medal winner and the bronze medal winner and there they are and they come in and the people then the festivities the closing festivities right and they're happening and everything right as the closing festivities are ending there's an announcement over the loudspeaker and the guy gets on and says excuse me ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna need you to stay in your seats. We still have a runner from the marathon race. People are like, that ended like an hour ago. What do you mean there's still a runner left? And with that, there was a man from Tanzania who was bloody. He was battered. And he's dragging his body to the finish line. And everybody got up on their feet and gave him a standing ovation. and and, and once he crossed the line they're clapping for him but then people forgot about it until he was interviewed by a journalist and a journalist said why did you continue running the race you knew you weren't gonna win a medal and then he said words that I've never forgotten he said my country didn't send me 4,000 miles to start a race they sent me 4,000 miles to finish a race Church. when god starts something he finishes it he who has began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of completion and he's going to complete some things in your lives he's going to complete things in my life we're never going to be the same you may feel, I started and you may have stumbled and you may feel like I fell down and my walk isn't where it's supposed to be all that gets put out the window stop looking at what's behind start pressing ahead for the high calling of Jesus start pressing ahead for the prize of what's ahead stop looking at what you didn't do in the past how you fell and how you didn't make it because this is a new day and God is saying forget all that jump into the new thing that's going to take place and press in to what i have for my people <sighs> do you feel it though do you feel it i hope i didn't offend anybody no maybe i hope i did with with telling you about church. I'm, listen i'm a leader in the church i'm a leader i'm part of the problem i'm part of the problem but you know what we as a we're so we have never been as united as we are today No, no no you don't get it no 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 the three of us your three pastors have never been as united as we are in 2020 the year of release why don't we stand up i want that song open heavens to be played i want that song i think you heard enough i want that song open heavens to be played because i'm going to start to believe right now listen let's start to believe as even as we sing this song what jamal you want to say something what you do take a microphone jamal Make it like open church, Jamal. There's no rules.
1: So I get a message um, probably around 9 o'clock um, to, to help out today. And John, just leave this one second. Because James don't need this chair. Because he, he threw it out of his back. And you know they said, bring it up. And then when he gets up, make sure we have the chair there. And have a special stand for him. Because he probably is not going to be able to walk. That's how much pain he's in. I came, I came in here and he came in and we prayed, and I said, you preach about the book of Acts, and the number one character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit.
0: You helped, me, you helped push me over the edge. <laughs> no, you did. God helped you were another confirmation to me. And he, he goes,
1: there and said it. Jamal, I don't even know if I can preach the sermon I set up. I said, James, God, God's you in a position where, where you, you are the sermon. You're, you're living it out. And I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you preach, and I go, God sent Christ before us to walk, to walk in front of us. He sent characters like Stephen to pave the path for Paul. And Paul, he paved the path for millions. God sent to this pastor today to pave the path for us. This was a living example of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I looked over while I did the Lord's table and James sat here and I saw him just wince as he crossed his leg. He was in pain as he crossed his leg. He got up here and preached a whole sermon, never sitting down, never doing anything, trusting the Holy Spirit. And if anything, for me, I'm leaving the sermon. What you preached about Stephen was wonderful, but what you shared with us and with your life and you trust in the Holy Spirit, that's what's gonna live in me today. You know, it's, fu- it's funny, last thing. You don't even know, Jack, you
0: posted something on Realm yesterday. And you mentioned about the passing of Francis McNutt, who's had a great impact that, you know, my parents have brought his ministry to the church. I know you're very fond of his ministry, the impact that um, he and his wife have had on you. Uh, but what was astonishing to me is that you mentioned the name Agnes Sanford. Do you know what God told me as soon as you, I read that? That I was to get in her books right away. And all I did yesterday afternoon, I didn't even prepare for a sermon. I sat there and said, I just want to be in your presence, Lord. And I just want to believe for healing. And I'm going to press in because I know it's mine. I know it's ours as your children. I know what you have for us. I know what your plans are for us. I know they're good plans. And even when, what was that song? Even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, I still know he's moving. And even though you may not feel it right now this morning, and even though you may not see things in the atmosphere changing, I need you to know that he's still working in your life. I need you to know he's still working. The God who worked for Abraham. And the God who worked for Noah. And the God who worked for Moses. And the God who worked for David. And the God who worked for Ruth. And the God who worked for Abigail. And the God who worked for Esther. And the God who worked for Peter, and James, and John, and Zacchaeus, that God is still working for us. Amen. How about we take even our masks off as we praise Him and worship Him as we close this meeting out? How about we don't care who's all around us? How about we just reach out to our God because the heavens are open this morning. The heavens are open. God has not found it. He said, I'm not going to be in some box. You can make a box for me, but I'm going to break out of the box. I'm going to break out of the box and he's breaking out of boxes in our lives. Expect him to move in new ways. He hasn't lost any of his power, but don't expect him to move in the same way that he moved in the 1980s and the 1990s and the early 2000s, because there's a new move, and it's a new wave of his spirit, and we need to be in tune with it. Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.